You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Tavares to the side, centers in front, they score! Nylander set up by the captain, has tied the game! Lead pass at center and across the line, backhand scores! John Tavares scores against his old mates on a tip pass from Nylander! There's a chance for Yarncrook, and a goal! Scores! Where did all the Islanders go? Leach come away with it again, Nylander, shooting, scores! This line is on fire, and Willie Nylander has got himself a four-point night. Pass ahead for Matthews, breakaway, in a goal, scores! Holy Mackinac, what a play! Justin Hall sends it right to the Islander blue line, and who's there but 34? And it is 5-2! And that was all she wrote. 5-2 victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs last night over the New York Islanders at home. Welcome into Leafs Lunch. Julie Tichieri and Mike DiStefano with you. We're loaded up for you today. Darren Dreger will join us in about 20 minutes. Mike McKenna later on in the show. But for now, let's stick to that Islanders game last night in Toronto. It, it becomes, it's become rather a non-story that... Uh, whenever the Leafs played the Islanders before. There was montages and music videos, of course, all regarding John Tavares every time there was a Leaf Islander game. Right. And it still comes up when they play on the island and he gets the booze. And, you know, Islanders fans, it's a shout-out to their dedication to that cause because they are committed to it. Uh, first period was tough to watch last night. It was slow. Yes. That's... It was slow. I was I was thinking, oh God, it's going to be an Islanders brand hockey game. Well, that's the thing, right? Like you know that this team they want to play slow, they want to slow the yeah. game down, play tight defensive hockey. No shots for the Leafs, like first eleven minutes of the game, oh, it was, it was slow going out that's there. That's the only bet that didn't hit for me last night. Oh, was was right. the the shots prop where I said Leafs first to five shots. This team, I don't think, got their second shot until like the. Eight, there was eight minutes left in the game or something like that. Like yeah, and was, at that point, the whistle wasn't blowing until there was going to be three minutes left. That hey. was crazy with all the snow on the ice. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't watching the broadcast. I was there live, so I don't know what they were talking about. But when I was there witnessing it, like I was sitting beside Masters, and we're just waiting. It was, I don't know, maybe around like the six-ish minute mark. We're like, Has it been a, have we had a scrape yet? Look at all the snow that's accumulating. Has there been a whistle? Has there been a TV timeout? Like, there was nothing. We're just sitting there and watching play go on as we're yawning because the game was so boring yeah. in that first period. And then they finally had a whistle. I, I Honestly, like, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tripping call. But I looked to Mark, and I'm like, man, I think they honestly just needed a whistle. So they were like, call that penalty. Even if it's ticky-tacky, call it, get a whistle, get the scrape out here, get the shovels, and let's get some It took a long time, too. It was, uh, I wrote it down. Let me see exactly when You timed the scrape? Uh, oh, I didn't time the scrape. I didn't, I didn't time oh. the scrape. But at least they get their second shot until there was six minutes and 45 seconds left in the period. Two minutes and 43 seconds left in the period. So that would have been, what, 16 minutes or 17 minutes yeah. and uh, 17 seconds of playtime without shoveling any snow off the ice. 
Craziness. Craziness. It was everywhere. They had to go back and double up. Like, they literally filled the bins, had to dump one out, and then come back and, and fill up the rest. It was insane the amount of snow that accumulated. You could tell in the broadcast that they were having to fill, just since you were uh, actually at the game. You could tell that they were having to fill because they came back from commercial and... Still, the ice crew was out there putting in work. They should get a shout-out from us today in our stays and our goes. That is, that is hard work out there that they were doing. That yeah. is like Al's brother in Niagara after a That's snowstorm. Exactly. Like I, I'm a, I grew up, my father did not believe in the snowblower. He believed in he has two sons. I can go outside with a shovel. So I respect anyone who goes out there and yep. shovels snow. That stuff gets heavy. Yep. Trust me, I'm well aware I can tell it last heavy. night. It was, that was and some serious That was some serious snow. So I'm sure they, their back might be feeling a little little bit today i hope that yeah. uh i hope that they're able to get a nice little like hot stone massage maybe a little thank you from uh, scotia bank arena perhaps yeah hot maybe. stone might be a stretch but i feel like they should have been compensated more for last night because the work was so much harder that was crazy anyways i i got into this whole thing spiel talking about john forrest and and my point that i was trying to get to do in a roundabout way was the fact that to start the second period sheldon keith in a way that He's very good with, and I know it doesn't take a genius to put together a couple of the best players in the world who last year were on one of the most successful lines in the NHL, but he did that. And it's more to me about knowing when it's to timing, push the button. Right? Timing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Knowing when, uh, and in, in that first intermission, he found his when, and to start the second, John Tavares. I know it was a Willie Nylander game. He had the four-point night. He, he was the star, but to me, it was John Tavares that was the catalyst like he had that really great a opportunity that he created himself before he made that gorgeous pass to willie nylander it, it was just a sick play to set up willie's goal oh absolutely like i thought Tavares was like yes you're right nylander ends up with the four points and you know he's the guy who a lot of people are talking about but to me jt i mean the, the way that he played in that second period in particular was just outstanding and you know he was the captain that got the team going right like you look at the play that he made on the opening goal that's just him Skating really hard, he had a guy on his back, literally draped on a Bovillier, who's not a small cat. Like he's, yeah. he's, you know, well over two hundred pounds, and he's holding him off, protecting the puck, and then just a, a little, little backhand feed to so Nylander, who roots it. Like just a nice play, and then even on the the his goal himself, just a little, little extra spring in his step. He nice little touch pass from Willie, and he goes in, buries a breakaway. I mean, it's just I think you look at John Tavares, and you're seeing, um, you know, he talked about this summer how he went and he got a new skating coach and i think that's really really helped him paul matheson is the skating coach that uh, that he went out and got this this summer and we we noted it early on in the season it's like it, it looks like he's he looks peppy more jump, right? right from right from the get-go of this year even when things were a little bit in disarray with the leafs the bright spot at the beginning of the year was holy man does john Tavares look quick right now yeah and it was it was more so like i think the power right the, yeah it was, it was the power skating that uh that was there. Power and skating. That like makes if you played any sort of minor hockey, your eye twitches. Child. Yeah, <laughs> I know. we can't use that word. It's scary. I know. <laughs> I, I never had to do any power skating, but I had a neighbor who's you know classic uh, Southern Ontario dad. Thought yeah. his kid was going to the NHL. Yeah. Power skating every Saturday, six a.m. See, my parents didn't think I was going to the NHL probably, and yet still I was power skating on Saturday mornings at Delaney Arena. It was horrific. No offense to Anyways. my buddies, but he's like twelve, thirteen, still chill in double A. I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen for you. Third pair defense. Yeah. But anyway, what a memory. But uh, he spoke about this recently, actually, talking about how he 
he went back to him in January, actually. Jonas Siegel wrote about this in his Monday Morning Leaf Report yesterday and talked about how he, he kind of went back because some of the old habits had crept back into his game and need a little refresher. And, and I think that it's certainly helped him. He's looked like he's had a nice little jump of late. You look at what he's done. January 2nd was the day that he had linked back up with Paul Matheson. Since then, 13 points in the 11 games since. Um, wow. 14.83 shots per 60 and a team high 2.15 individual expected goals per 60. So, I mean, he's been incredibly productive and he's generating a whole lot since uh, since he's linked back up with, with Matheson there just after the new year. So um, he spoke on it, too. Do we have that audio? I think we have the audio of him talking about it yesterday. So why don't we play it? Here's uh, John Tavares on skating coach Paul Matheson. You know, I worked with uh, Dawn Braid for a long time, and she was uh, tremendous with me, you know, over 15 years. So um, it just, I think, uh, uh, was something, uh, just maybe a fresh set of eyes, something fresh, and, and obviously within within the organization allows that work to really continue in season, which I feel just gets more and more important, um, you know, as you get older and, and re- re- really, you know, need to reinforce certain habits and work on certain things, especially when you, you make some changes. So uh, he's been great, uh, just constant feedback, uh, positive. And, and things to continue to work on, but uh, I felt a real difference in that area so far, and, and obviously want to continue to uh, see growth there and have an impact in my game uh, positively. Yeah, so he said, you know, when the season goes on and the grind sets in, things you work on in the offseason, they can start to break down, and you lose touch with that after months and weeks go on. So he had a little refresher. A little midterm, uh, what they call, it's a midterm, I guess. Yeah. It was a little midterm that he had to a little bit of a refresher. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been great out of the gate. And last night, I think, might have been his best game all season. Yeah. Okay, good transition when it comes to mid-season refreshers. A little bit of a goalie session happening ahead of the Leafs practice today. Ilya Samsonov and, and Matt Murray did some additional work with, goaltending coach Curtis Sanford ahead of morning, not morning skate. I almost said that twice because there's so many games this week, but just straight up practice today and your favorites, AB, the goggles were out again this morning. The goggles, a little blinders yep. on the goggles, allows him to track pucks a lot better. Yeah, I saw someone was tweeting him out there that, uh, yeah, Matt Murray got the goggles back on. Samsonov had an awesome game last night and I'm yep. sure we'll talk about him for a second for, for a great Probably period of time show. when I get Good to our stays and our goes <laughs> in the next couple of minutes. But you presented a very interesting theory about about Matt Murray and, and him not practicing when he plays and why maybe that yeah. could be lending well, to Samsonov getting a little run here. Well, we were having a discussion yesterday about you know, and and I think it's a little bit of both. Like I think Samsonov has earned the opportunity oh, yeah. to start some games here, and he's starting to get a little bit of an, an edge. I think Sheldon Keefe alluded to that yesterday. How they're now in the back half of the season, they got to give these guys a run to see who wants to grab the net. Right. And so I think there is part of that, but I think also you just look at the last couple of games here from from Matt Murray. His last eight starts, an eight eighty eight save percentage in that realm, um, and his last game out, he allowed four goals on eight shots. And there was kind of the this theory that there's some technical issues that have been creeping up in his game of late. So, I mean, we're going to have Mike McKenna on in about an hour, and he's the perfect person yeah. to get on to kind of delve into this and discuss exactly what he's seeing as someone who played the position. But I think maybe just because they have games you know, coming up like every other day, and he's a guy who doesn't really practice a whole lot when he's playing. He doesn't take part in morning skate or anything like that. So I think that they're giving Samsonov this run, and he's – playing well, so they, they don't mind, obviously, giving him this run, but it also affords them the chance to maybe work some of those kinks out of Matt Murray's game, give him that, that 
extra practice time to work on stuff. So he's you know practicing really hard with Curtis Sanford today. I'm sure they'll have a nice, good, hard practice, and yep. hopefully they they can change some of those technical problems that he's been having. He's playing a little bit deep in his net. He's been sloping a little to one side. Hasn't been as squared up. So I think that might be. Um, you know what's what's going on here. Not necessarily that Matt, that Samsonov is taking over as the number one guy, but I think with the strength in which he's playing right now, it's allowed them to kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's let's get Matt Murray right because we need both of these guys going forward. And if there's something wrong in his game, let's just take the week. Sammy's doing perfectly fine. Let him play. And let's make sure that we get Matt Murray back up to uh, back up to par to the way he was earlier in the season. I like that theory. I think it's very like we joke about our tin hats and having our crazy well, tin hat theories. Yeah. I'm into that I mean, one. That's, that's, that's a good one. I like it. And then they got the blinders out there today, right? Yeah, that was, that's back to square one. You talk about yeah, Tavares, that's right? Solidified he needed, it. Tavares, he needed to get that little refresher. And you're right. This is a nice little refresher. Hey, let's get the blinders back on. Go back to the basics and let's start from scratch and. Maybe we can try and work some of those kinks out and kind of rebuild you and rebuild the confidence as well. So I think that might be kind of where they're going with this whole goaltending thing. But it, again, you can only do this because Samsung's playing so well. Like right. if Sammy was giving up five goals last night and that was a 5 3 loss I, or a 5 4 loss, whatever, a yeah. loss, not too sure you're sitting here and you're thinking about. You know, you're okay with that. You, we'd be clamoring, okay, let's get Murray back in here. Like, this is three losses in a row. Yeah. Samson's played awful. We got to get Murray back out there. And we'd be talking about it. It'd be a talking point. But because he's out there performing, you know, if it wasn't for his strong play in the first period, I'm not sure they would have won that game. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, the, the first period could have, it was crazy. The Islanders thing about, uh, putting up in, shots. Uh, well, against They're Winnipeg, too. Right? Like Winnipeg, if. if Exact same thing. If he didn't play well in that first period, could have been a three, four, one win for Winnipeg in that first. Yeah. So um, we won't have time for stay, stay and go right now. We talk longer. too much. Uh, update from Leafs practice. Surprise, surprise. Bunting, Matthews, and Marner will remain together as the trio. Yes. Uh, the NHL came to fear last season. Yarncroc. Tavares Nylander, that second line that had a crazy night. How about that little flip pass from Willie? To oh Yarncroc? my gosh, yeah. so sick! It yeah. was that was so there, there were three, cheeky. Three passes last night yeah. that I think deserve just gold stars all around. Deserve you so like deserve that. Yeah, yeah. Willie's Willie's flip pass up to Yarncroc. Yep. Samsonov heads up play to get the puck to Willie that, on the yeah. power play to allow John Tavares to get that breakaway goal. And then how about Justin Hall's bank pass off the boards to Austin Matthews in the third period? That was awesome. Like, you don't expect that out of Justin Hall. That's all I'm saying. You really don't expect a a play like that from from Justin Hall. So, got to give him some love for that. Yeah, they uh, they were making some creative plays last night. It was was nice to see. Definitely nice to see. I mean, the Islanders were very leaky in, in what they allowed. They allowed a lot last night, and I was kind of... One of the things we talked about coming into the game was, yeah, they, they allow quite a bit. And if Sorokin's not on his A game, then the team's probably not going to be uh, not going to be victorious at the end of the night. Yeah, and, uh, he allowed five, so I wouldn't say he brought his A game last night. Yeah, he, he no, not wasn't out of control by any means. Uh, the other updates from practice just before we head to break and get our TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger on the other side. Joey Anderson was recalled this morning. Looks Ooh. like he's sliding in on the fourth line. Simmons and Aston Reese are the extras at practice today. So Anderson in for Zach Aston Reese yes. on the fourth. Yes, and, and McMahon is remaining on, or going up to the third line rather, with Camp and Engvall. And then the fourth line is Kerfoot, Holmberg, 
Anderson. Uh, and then on the back end, TJ Brody partaking in his first full practice today, but still in a non-contact jersey. Okay. And he's skating alongside uh, Connor Timmins, who had an okay night, but had like one really bad turnover on so that second goal. Ben so it, in the top six now? Yeah, Ben's with Sandine on the third pairing. Well, on the other side, we'll be joined by our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, and maybe he has uh, an update for when maybe we will see TJ Brody on the ice uh, in a game. You know, first practice, what's the timeline to see him in a game? So we'll ask him that on the other side, break down last night's game, and get his thoughts on the goalie situation as well. Uh, so Darren Dreger still uh, coming up on the other side. Also still to come, Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, will join us in the 1 o'clock hour as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. It was an Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com for more. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 in the iHeartRadio app. Julia Tashiri and Mike DiStefano will be joined ooh, joined right now by our TSN hockey insider, Darren Dreger. Jags, how's it going this Tuesday? Uh, I'm doing okay. How about you guys? Oh, we're good. Doing good. Coming off a solid Leafs win over the Islanders last night. We're just looking over practice lines and how things are shaking out there. Looks like they did some extra work with the goalies before practice. And it seems like Sheldon Keefe will opt to stick with the lines that he put together last night in reuniting Matthews and Marner and reuniting the JT William Nylander duo. That was absolutely electric yeah. last night. Are you, I was going to say, are you surprised? But that seems kind of like a lame question. Was this the right moment to you to go back to those uh, combinations? Well, yes, because it worked. Yeah, right? like, and, right? <laughs> Everybody looks like a genius when things work. It's the best thing ever. Exactly. And, you know, you're talking about elite-level players here, so we shouldn't be overly surprised that it worked. You know, there's considerable chemistry between Elander and John Tavares, no different than Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. On this night, though, against the Islanders, it was Nylander who put on a show, and John Tavares was very good, and that, that second line was formidable. Uh, that second period was incredible with the undoing of the New York Islanders. So, you know, again, I, I think we get caught up in what we perceive as a fan base to be knee-jerk decisions. They're not. They're in-game adjustments, and when they work, then why wouldn't you extend that look a little bit longer and, and see if you can kind of rekindle that chemistry that is obvious in Nylander and Tavares, and you know is there in Marner and Matthews. So, it's interesting, but I don't think it's a huge deal. How much credit do you think Keith deserves for just knowing exactly when to spark his club? Like we've we've seen, you know, at times throughout his career, he's gone with things and he's stuck to them. Right? Think back to maybe the Columbus series where it was a little bit too much um, stagnation, and then he's also gone times where he's made a little bit uh, too quick to pull the trigger on some line combinations. It seems like he's yeah. learned from those mistakes. And this year, it seems like whenever he does press that button and he makes that change. Good things tend to happen, and he's kind of figuring out when uh, is the right time to do things. Yeah, look, I mean, there isn't a coach in the game that doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're a Stanley Cup winning coach, been around for 20-plus years, or you're relatively new. I mean, that's just part of pro sport in general. I'm not so sure that I would look back on some of the adjustments that Sheldon has made during his time as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs and put them all in the category of mistakes. And I know you're not doing that, Mike. It's just 
there has to be a little trial and error, especially when you're dealing with a relatively young group coming into this season. But again, we've revisited this. Uh, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization from top to bottom went into this year with an all-bets-are-off sort of mentality, and that includes Sheldon Keefe. You know, he has to coach his ass off, and, and he's done that to this point, I would submit. You know, I mean, he's been snarly when he's had to be snarly. Uh, now, from a refereeing perspective, maybe there's a little too much of that. There we go. Sorry. Maybe oh, my gosh. Bit... Don't worry. We've all been there. Yeah. Maybe there's too much of that. Uh, and that's something that, you know, he's going to work on. But as as you go deeper into the second half, you know, the, the games intensify. Um, but I think that be it either by direction um, from Sheldon himself, the coaching staff, let's put them all in together, or just as an organization, I think they went into this year thinking we need to create playoff environment as much as we can throughout the 82-game regular season. Sounds ridiculous to think that that's even doable because there are games where you just you, you kind of don't have it. And, you know, there was one recently against the Montreal Canadiens where they, they lose that one, and they shouldn't lose to the Montreal Canadiens given the, the state of each organization. But I think Sheldon this year has done a real nice job of keeping that leash tight, but also recognizing in-game that, okay, Willie has a spark. Yeah, why not? Let's JT's got something going. Let's put them together here and see if if it can manifest. And and it did. It did versus the Islanders. Uh, but I think that that's as much a maturity of, of the core of the players: Matthews, Miner, Nylander. I guess we throw Tavares in there, but you know he's 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 got more experience mm-hmm. um, in the NHL game. But I I think that this is just the group growing as a group, and that includes Sheldon Keith as head coach. That's Darren Dreger, our TSN Hockey Insider. Leafs practice underway right now, and TJ Brody is partaking in his first practice uh, since he went down with that injury earlier. He's still wearing a non-contact jersey. Do you think there's any chance we see him in this next stretch before the All-Star game, or or does it make sense uh, from what you're hearing to just shut him down until after? Yeah, I haven't heard that, Julia, to be fair. Um, and I, I really haven't checked in on them. I, I, I think they're doing right here by being as patient as they need to be. No different than some of the other things that, you know, Leafs players have experienced. I'm sure Morgan Riley felt like he could come back sooner than he did. Um, and, you know, look, there were some recovery pains that Morgan had to go through. It looks to me like his game is rounding out again. So why not err on the side of caution? They don't have any injuries on that back end that are substantial beyond TJ right now. So give him as much time, maybe more time than he prefer, to make sure that he is, is healed up. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's back onto the ice, even though he's in a non-contact, a non-contact jersey, tells you that clearly he's making strides and he's a step closer to returning to, uh, to the regular season lineup. But again, I think they're going to err on the side of caution. So without knowing... I'd be a bit surprised if he came back, or if he did, maybe he comes back for one game. I just don't think it's worth it at that point. Uh, in conversation with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider, uh, the least made a goalie change. Talking about Sheldon Keith making some in-game adjustments. The other night in Florida yeah. made that goalie change to go to Samsonov, and he's taken that opportunity. He's run with it. Uh, we haven't seen Matt Murray since. I assume we'll see him at some point here soon, though. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's claiming the number one net right now, and he's solidifying himself. And maybe not as the number one, but maybe the one A 
Do you see yeah. a scenario where if he does grab that number one job, though, and he looks like, okay, you know, he, he could be rounding out into that first-round pick that he once was, all, all that potential that people saw in him years ago, um, that they would make it a priority to sign him this summer as an RFA? Well, I think so. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you? You know, goaltending is, is such a significant need for every club that doesn't have an elite-level goaltender in the National Hockey League. So when you've got two guys that, you know, let's see how they do the rest of the way here, and then the playoffs, of course, always matters. Um, but if you've got a, a two-goalie system that works, why wouldn't you try and extend that and advance it? Now, Samsonov is a restricted free agent, so, you know, it gets a little bit more complicated. That favors the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe they don't feel like they've got to be in any rush. You know, $1.8 million, um, if we're willing to call this a reset year for him as a 25-year-old, which maybe doesn't necessarily apply, then he's making the most of his opportunity. And I can't imagine the Leafs wouldn't want to extend that. There's just... As I said, I, I, I don't think that there's any rush. And as far as, as Samsonov ascending to the bona fide number one, you know, the, the, the clear and, and out front leader, I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet. I, I think that Matt Murray handled his pull uh, well, right? And I see that he's on the ice with a goalie coach, Curtis Sanford. Um, they're trying to work on his game because as I was, I was reminded the other day, you know, it's hard positionally in practice or, or sorry, to make adjustments and technical tweaks to your game when you're in the game, right? You need practice to do that. And teams don't have that luxury because of how the, the schedule works, right? With travel yeah. and all of those things. So it looks like Toronto was taking advantage in, in trying to, you know, polish some of the game of, of Matt Murray. He's not just conceding the net to Ilya Samsonov. He's not. I mean, he has played pretty well to this point. Um, I'm sure that the coaches like the competition between those guys because it's a healthy one. And until there's reason to identify a true number one, why wouldn't you just keep planning the flames of of that competitiveness? Because having the luxury to go back and forth when both guys are clicking, uh, not too many teams in the NHL have that luxury. So uh, Toronto would want to take advantage of it if they can yeah, A.V. pointed out this morning, too, that uh, Murray doesn't practice when he plays, so that gives him an extra time to dial in on the skills. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because Murray, of course, under contract next year. Joseph Wall was tearing it up in the minors oh, yeah. right now, so there's lots of lots of decisions to be made uh, when it comes Good to, problems to, to next have. year. Good, Good problems, problems to have. Good problems. Depth in net. Uh, bad problems, though, just, just before moving on from last night's game. Fire Lou tweets happening out on the island. Like I, I know it'd be hard to hear about it if he was on the hot seat, Dregs. But but what are you hearing yeah. out of New York and and how their season is unfolding? Yeah, well, they're just they're, they're not playing well of late, and you know we saw that, and we heard from the coach post game talking about how they just can't string a full game together. They thought that they played pretty well in the first period against the Leafs, and then the second period was a disaster. You know, Toronto found a way to get behind them. Well, that's the speed of the Maple Leafs. Like, Toronto's a really good team here. So if you're not ready uh, or you're not as crisp as you need to be, especially when Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Tavares are, you're going to have a problem. And that was the case last night. Uh, I think I read they're like 1-6-3 and three in their last 10. Yeah. You know, so this isn't just a bit of a skid. This is a flat-out funk for the, the New York Islanders. I'm not really sure what direction they're going to go. I look at their goaltending, 
I mean, you've got two goalies there that have the same percentage higher than 900. So it's not a goaltending issue there. Um, defensively, okay, yeah, there are some areas of concern there. And quite frankly, up front, they're just not delivering the way that they need to. You know, Matt Barzell is as cold as ice right now. So, I mean, that's, that's what you do when you're picking apart a team that has one win in, in 10 games play. As to the fire loo speculation and all of that, I guess anything is possible, but anytime there's that level of speculation around a general manager, I question it in season because in the season, even though the trade deadline, March 3rd is looming, there's not a whole heck of a lot that the general manager can do, right? You don't think Pierre Dorian, if he could snap his fingers, would have two months ago and landed the defenseman that may have helped change, you know, the direction of the Ottawa Senators who are basically look like a non-playoff team for another year. Likewise, Kenny Holland, the Edmonton Oilers have been looking for a defenseman. Go down the list of all the teams that have needs and have wants. And because of the salary cap and because of teams operating in long-term injury, you know, you just, it's not that easy. You can't make it happen. So I'd be surprised given the level of experience, respect that Lou Lamarillo has earned to this point in his career that, you know, the, the Islanders, Ownership would do something that extreme in season, but anything is possible when you're losing. Drax, who's the flavor of the week right now that you're hearing that might be linked to uh, Toronto ahead of the trade deadline? Nah, it's a good question. I I don't think that there's anyone linked per se to Toronto. Um, you know, I talked about this yesterday morning on on first up. I mean, this market is always hungry. All Canadian markets are for that big trade, you know, who's the big ad? We've looked at the wing for the Toronto Maple Leafs and feel like if there's a top six guy available, that'd be awesome. They could move Yarncroke down in the bottom six, and man, would they be flush up front. Well, what if that player, that top six forward winger, isn't available? You know, do you just say, okay, well, we're not going to bother doing anything? I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on who's available. So I... I'm always more interested. Of course, I'm interested in the bigger deals because they're fun to speculate on. They're awesome to break and, you know, just gets the juices flowing. That more often happens in the offseason around. Oops, there's Tiny. Tiny, uh, what's up? Around, tiny the Great yeah, Dane. Somebody's at the door. Um, so you're going to have to endure She's so tiny, delicate. I uh, love her. Woofing for a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, those sexy trades normally happen at the draft or during the offseason. What's wrong with a, a depth trade or two, right? Um, like the Connor Timmons trade has been helpful to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, maybe they look at somebody like Luke Chen. That was the name that I threw out there on, on first up. I like and that's, that's not wild speculation. That's just me looking at a player that I think could help from a depth perspective. So if you want to look up front, if that big signing isn't there, then you start looking at some of the guys like I just mentioned Ottawa. You know, Tyler Mott is in an expiring contract. Ottawa doesn't look like they're making the playoffs, so Pierre Dorian is likely going to move out as many of the unrestricted free agent contracts as he can. Well, Tyler Mott is a real good bottom six forward, an excellent penalty killer, so he gives you a little bit of pop there in your bottom six. Now, I think he's got an injured hand, so you know he's probably not coming back after the All-Star. So without linking those two teams together, that's that's the kind of stuff that uh, I start to look at as we close closer to the trade deadline.
If I didn't know any better, I think you're uh, you're lurking on mine and Jonas's conversations that we had at the Leafs game the other day. Those were literally the two names that I said to Jonas as a, a depth ad for the. It was Luke Shed on the blue line and Tyler Mott yeah. up front. That's funny. Um, but in terms of like going after somebody big, that like is that out of the question? Do you think that the Maple Leafs are willing to move the assets necessary to get a Gavrikov or a Horvat, who's reportedly going to be uh, you know some expensive? Uh, pieces to get. Okay, I'm going to test you, Mike, because I think I know you're going with this. Mm-hmm. And when you say willing to move the assets required, is there something in particular? Are you you're thinking of a, well, a Hobie Baker nominee? There's a potential of... Hobie Baker nominee who plays in the state of Florida <laughs> in the NCAA, and potentially like their first round pick too. I mean, I think those two would be highly coveted assets that any team who's given up top six or top four players would be asking asking for. In yeah, return. no, and, and and that's fair, and that's why I tease you a little bit, right? Um, ah. I know the organization has all kinds of time for Matthew Nice. I do, from from top to bottom. And maybe he could be the ad, too, right? I mean, once he's done, you know, assuming that he's not part of a, a trade scenario between now and then, you know, he can sign and dive into the lineup. Um, but if the perfect fit were, were positioned to Kyle Dubas and Maple Leaf Pratt's, you know, and, and who is that? I, I, I can't even think of the perfect fit, right? Because as we talked about earlier, you know, we can look at what Vancouver has available. We can look at Ryan O'Reilly. We can look at some of these other bigger name guys. But those guys also come with a ticket, right? And yeah. so it does get a little bit more complicated. Um, so I'm loath to say that, that Nyes or that pick would be untouchable. I mean, it's ridiculous because you you don't know what the the scenario looks like. But I think for Toronto, for Kyle Davis, for management to consider, you know, either that pick or a player like that, a prospect like that, it would have to be a heck of a trade that the Toronto Maple Leafs know is going to make them considerably better, not just for the here and now, but, you know, for the near future as well. Do you expect them to be rather aggressive just given how much this season in particular means for kind of what the future could be for this organization? I would say within reason, um, but only because, you know, you're you're looking at (laughs) this season and, you know, another opportunity, right? Um, Yeah, of course, it looks like they're going to play the the Tampa Bay Lightning again in the playoff. Who's to say they can't win that series? But as a general manager, you, you want to make sure that you have as many tools as you possibly can. I don't think for a second Kyle Dubas is managing in fear of his job. I really don't. And it's fool's play when you're looking at the summer and you're like, Ooh, okay, well, now we can start talking to Austin Matthews and get him extended. And, you know, Willie's right there. And, and then you got this. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you drive yourself crazy, you know, trying to manage that way. I just don't think you can do it. Your, your business that has to get looked after, and some of that is going to happen organically here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think there's any chance that Kyle Dubas is approaching uh, March 3rd at any point between now and then any differently than he would have last year, um, or maybe even the year before. It's just you do start to run out of runway as an organization, not as an individual, yeah. as an organization, right? Because, look, I mean, 
We don't know that the salary cap is going to climb dramatically in the next couple of years. That's the expectation, but there's no guarantee of that. So, you know, if you can strike while the iron is hot, as they say, then, then you do that. But Kyle won't be motivated because he's feeling any sort of pressure for his job. Uh, with Darren Dreger right now, our TSN Hockey Insider, let's move to Vancouver right now, seeing as there's so much to chat about there. Rick Tockett will make his debut as the Canucks head coach tonight versus yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks. We haven't had you on to talk about uh, that situation specifically since it's all come to a head officially and they've officially made Rick Tockett their head coach. So now the the waters are a little bit clearer and they actually have the coach that they want in place. What do you think is Rick Tockett's biggest strength when it comes to being the Vancouver Canucks bench boss? And, and how much of an impact do you think he's going to have on a player specifically like JT Miller, who's who's been in the spotlight a lot this year? Yeah, he has been. Um, you know, to answer your first question, I think Tockett's greatest strength is his communication and ability to connect with a player. And, and Bruce Boudreaux was a very player-friendly coach, don't get me wrong, but there's a difference between Rick Tockett and Bruce Boudreaux, right? When, when Rick Tockett is looking you squarely in the eye and asking you for a third time to do something, you're probably going to want to do that. You know, and that's not intimidation. That's, I look at, at, at Tockett kind of the way I look at Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh. Um, it feels like he's a coach that you're just not going to want to disappoint. Um, so whether that applies to, to J.T. Miller or any other player for the Vancouver Canucks, I think that there's, there's going to be that spinoff. And I, I think that, that would apply to Adam Foote. Um, Adam Foote's a no-nonsense dude. I know him well. Uh, X's and O's, he knows the game inside and out. I think he's a terrific hire tactically. And he was a hard-nosed player. He yeah. played the game, you know, with... No nonsense. With <laughs> no nonsense. And, and like, nobody competed harder or wanted to win more. And then you throw Sergei Gonchar into the mix, and he has the history and the relationship in Pittsburgh with Rick Tockett. So there's clearly, again, a deep-rooted connection there. I liked what I heard from Tockett and his media availability, talking specifically about the conversation that he had with J.T. Miller. But I'm going to credit J.T. Miller because J.T. Miller, who many believe is just this real harsh guy, he's a hard guy to get along with, you know, maybe a little too hard on his teammates behind the scenes. We saw that firsthand with Colin Delia, right? Yeah. When, you know, he's trying to chase him out of the net for the extra attacker and he got a little overzealous and all of that. Well, again, to hear Tockett, relay that conversation, you know, TJ, uh, JT Miller wants to, to, to be better, you know, and we know that he can be a real impactful player for the Vancouver Canucks because he's proven that he has been that. So if he's willing to, to work on some of the other elements, that make him a leader, then I think talk, has got a good one in JT Miller, but I mean, look, we're all pretty curious to see how this is going to play out. But I thought it was interesting here to wrap up um, what Bruce Boudreaux said in a piece from NHL.com, which I read this morning, which is 100% factual. You look at the goaltending this year of the Vancouver Canucks, right? Last year, Thatcher Demko was lights out good. Mm-hmm. So beyond the Bruce Boudreaux bump, it was Thatcher Demko stealing games in a lot of situations. He struggled early this year and then got hurt. Well, you take away quality goaltending, 
and you take away the success rate of any coach in the National Hockey League. And that's as big a part of the downfall of Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver this season than anything else. Yeah, uh, I, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the Islanders, to go back to them, very similar situation. I mean, their goaltending masks up a lot of it, and, and I guess Sorokin hasn't played at yeah. a Vesna level the last 10 games, and the record would show for it. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate taking the time, as always, Dregs. We'll chat again next week. Yeah, have a good one, guys. You as well. Darren Dreger, or TSN Hockey Insider. Um, yeah, I heard uh, JT Miller speaking yesterday, actually, and it seemed as though he took... You have it? We have the audio here? Okay, can we play this really yeah. quickly? Because I thought it was actually interesting that Dregs talked about how he wants to be better. That's kind of what I heard from his comments uh, that I heard from yesterday. So why don't we play these? JT Miller yesterday after the coaching change. There's no disrespect to Bruce. You know, I had a great relationship with him, and... Uh, you know, it sucks to see him leave, but at the same time, we all are professionals here, and I think Bruce would understand that it's, uh, you know, it's it, as of today, we need to move on. Okay, so the, those are the different comments. Okay, I, I heard before, him being but, nice. That was the yeah. <laughs> there's another comment out there where he talks. Maybe I can go. Yeah, and, try and, find and it. I think at Bruce says, said that he got a beautiful used the word beautiful text from JT Miller. Yeah, he was talking about how he needs to be better. Communicating with his teammates. That was that, so that funny. Was you and I are like, like, yeah, he said something really nice. Yeah, like, yeah, we're moving on. It's over. Saying how I, sometimes I'm too harsh on my teammates. I need to be better. I need to learn from that. So I wonder if there was a conversation with he and Rick Tockett potentially about that communication or with somebody about that communication and lack thereof and how, you know, sometimes you just need to be, you know, a little bit more delicate with some people. But he said, you know, it's a quiet room. Sometimes you need a little bit of rah rah to, you know, to spark some things. Yeah. He feels like he needs to be that guy. Um, so we'll see if that comes of it. That is a player that I'm kind of circling as can his game improve in Vancouver under the new uh, under the new head coach. Him and Connor Garland with a career high 22 goals under Rick Tockett a couple of years ago in Arizona. Ooh. All right. Uh, well, we didn't even get to our stays and goes, so we'll do that on the other side. And we also got Mike McKenna going to join us, former NHLer. Uh, we'll get back into the goalie conversation with him. I'm Mike DeStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen going to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. day for myself just try to look in the mirror and you know how, how can I be better on the ice you know you know how can I be a better leader how can I you know control my emotions better but at the same time it's hard like it's very very hard when I play with a lot of emotion to keep it completely under control and like I said it may come off differently all the time but at the end of the day it's revolved around playing the right way and winning hockey games and when we're not getting those results you know I'm mad at myself 99% of the time so uh, no matter how it may come off I'm Leafs Lunch brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. That was JT Miller. Those are the comments we were looking at for. The 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 Canucks. Oh, JT Miller. The Canucks. Okay, we gotta get to that in a second. But uh, I think we got a couple minutes here, so why don't we do some stay and goes? Uh, well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out! Here. No, you stay here. You gotta get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. Uh, we did a lot of breaking down of this game in the first block. 5-2 over the New York Islanders. It was a scary first period because we thought, oh my gosh, are they going to play a New York Islanders style of hockey game? And then they treated us to a gorgeous second period. So uh, my stay was John Tavares leading by example. It's uh, 
it's a game you know he gets up for. It's his former team, even though he's very cool about it. There's got to be something there with oh, him, yeah. just knowing that they're dialed in on him. Uh, that game, fans are watching him in that game. He had eight shots on goal in the second period alone, and I thought uh, he really instigated the way. He, he set the pace for the team, and I go back a lot, and I circle that Philly game. Uh, when he had a really good game earlier this year, when things were in disarray a bit for the Leafs, he had that really good game that kind of led them out of the mud. And and for for as much as we talk about this being Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's team, I, I think that it is. But there's something about like I was team Austin Matthews being the captain when when John Tavares right. when it, when there was no C for the longest time. But in hindsight, Av, I'm into JT wearing the C. Like sometimes it takes a quiet leader he's always really good with the media he's always level and then to my point with the stay in this game he i can't imagine he got raw raw loud in the room saying this is the team i used to play for and like i'm just inferencing here it just doesn't seem like his style but his style is going out there and leading the the charge yeah i'm sure that there was cash on the board you know what i mean but you know what i mean in terms of jt getting up and being like listen this is my former team like let's get up let's play we didn't get a shot for 11 minutes well said he just went out there and he did the damn thing himself and everyone else followed suit and and that's it and and like as as craig button always says right show me show me you care show me you want to win this game and that's how he leads and And that's what he did last night right he went out and he showed you pretty early on he had guys draped on him and he's making plays he was winning every puck battle imaginable Sheldon Keefe was very glowing uh, spoke very glowingly about him yesterday I think we have the comments here um, Sheldon Keefe this was him on uh, John Tavares and how the second period was the best period he might have played all season I thought second period is the best period John Tavares played all season. I thought that got Willie going. So uh, Willie finished the chances and Willie was good, but I thought JT was excellent. He led us in the second period. It was really good. I, I just thought he made plays. He was hard on the puck. He was winning battles. He was getting in behind their defense. Obviously, the goal he scored was great, but there was just a number of sequences where he just came out with the puck or held onto the puck and got a guy on his on his ass and was you know getting into good ice and making plays. So I thought he was really good. We did, too. We also thought he was really good, Sheldon Keefe, and, and John was. Tavares headlines our stays what and, else and and for me to stay and it looks like it's going to is the lines yeah right? like Tavares and Nylander I thought they were electric last night and even like Matthews and Marner like that first period kind of set the tone or the first shift of the second period set the tone right and they got in there and they ended up with a couple of shots it was funny I was um, just kind of you know yucking it up with Masters yesterday in between the period and we looked it, uh, up on natural stat trick and Austin Matthews was not on the ice for a single shot attempt not a shot, but a, not even a shot attempt at five on five. It Unreal. was nine nothing for the Islanders in its shot attempts when he was out there on the ice. So we kind of thought eh, maybe they make this switch coming into the second period. Sure enough, they did, and the Leafs top line dominated that first one. They had like three shot attempts or something like that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of good chances, and then you know they kind of rolled it over, and then the entire team really picked it up from that point onward. So again, we gave a lot of credit to Sheldon Keith, but at the end of the day, it's the players got to execute, and it's the players got to show you that they want to win that game. He can make the switch, but if the message doesn't get through to the players, there's really not much more that Sheldon Keith can do. I had the message got through, and they said, all right, let's 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 pick it up here. Let's get going. And uh, they end up winning that game. And 67 goals they've scored in the second period this year, four of which last night, um, second most in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, th- those are a couple it's of things. It's funny. Like, the second period being the Leafs' bread and butter is coming into highlight, into into the spotlight now, because it's, it's 
we're all learning they're a very except good second Montreal. period team, except for the game that just literally <laughs> happened where the second period was the worst thing I've ever watched. I know, it was awful. It was awful. Well, like, if we go to goes, here's the thing that I'd like to go. Like, just 40-minute efforts. Like, mm, yeah. I, I, we, we, it's, and I know it's... It doesn't happen a whole lot, and we, we look at this team in a, in a vacuum. We look at this team every single day. We yeah. break it down. It's a grind of a sure, time in the year right, right now. I'm sure you go and you look at, there's a number of games, probably more than half the games, you can look at a period in a, in a Boston game and say, well, they didn't have their A game. They didn't bring it that period. But yeah. because they keep winning and they just don't lose, we don't talk about it, and we don't watch their games every single day. But when I'm watching Toronto, like speaking of them in particular, there just always seems to be a, a, a lackadaisical period. For whatever reason, right? It was the second period in Montreal. It was the first period last night. It was the first period against the Jets. Like, it's three games in a row where it's been a 40-minute effort, right? Let's get a 60-minute effort at some point here, right? You know what I mean? Like, I just want to see a consistent, full hockey game where everyone's rolling, everyone's playing well, um, and you don't have to rely on just incredible goaltending to keep you into a game until everyone else gets their legs under them. Let's start from the puck drop. Ideally. Ideally, right? Yes. Wouldn't that be a treat? Um, be. Yeah, my, my go, I have just like that first period of being Islanders hockey and I was, I was scared that we were going to watch that all night, but uh, you made a good point in, in yours, ultimately. The Islanders probably shouldn't have gotten as many shots and opportunities as they did against the Leafs last night for a yeah. team that like famously cannot score goals. Well, they cannot score. They're patented all. thing. So, <laughs> Dregs is talking about how the team just can't score, and I was looking at their power play, and the last 20 games, they're like 3 for 53, but a net 0% power play. They've scored three power play goals in their last 20, but they've also allowed three shorties in their last 20 for a net of zero in 20 games. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but they did have a lot of opportunities. Like, they had chances. 17 slot shots last night uh, for the Islanders, 49 scoring chances, a lot of which coming off the cycle. The only concern there for me, I guess, is when you think about the slot shots and the high-danger chances they gave up in the cycle um, game in which the Islanders won for the most part is that's a heavy team. Yeah. Heavy's a term that gets used a lot in the playoffs. Okay. That's, 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 um, that's kind of what went through my mind a little bit last night was like they seemed to be getting, like Matt Martin was just out there just hitting dudes. Matt like Martin. just taking names, just he stole my heart. Collecting hits left, right, and center. Um, Cal Clutterbuck too. Like they just were out there. Was it Nelson being that men. pulled his tooth out on the bench last night? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when he took that high stick in Brock the first Nelson? period. I think it was Brock Nelson. Someone, please correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize if I Man. am. But yep, yeah, it was Brock Some Nelson. Player. He took the. He took a. It, it was. Off a shot from Willie Nylander, so I think yeah. it was from a follow-through, so that's why they didn't call it. That's sometimes the stuff you miss when you go to a game live. You look oh, at those, yeah. those bench shots and what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, Brock Nelson pulled his tooth out on the bench, showed it to the ref, and then passed it to the trainer very angrily. That's that uh, that's, that's kind of funny there. Um, but yeah, at least came out with the win, though. Like that, that they, After the first period, it was a pretty pretty good game. Pretty yeah. solid. You know, I thought that the blue line... Um, they were okay, but when you got good goaltending like Samsonov was last night... Was he 2.53 goal saved above expected Damn. yesterday? Not, uh, not too shabby. We'll see if he can make a fourth consecutive start tomorrow with the other New York team coming to town. All right. Uh, well, I think we've got to take a break here. On the other side, we have 
who's coming up on the other side? Mike McKenna. Mike McKenna's coming up. Former NHL goaltender. We can get back into Samsonov night and, and what is the future of this goaltending position here in Toronto. Matt Murray as well. Uh, so that's coming up on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tesheri. Hour 2 of Leafs Lunch coming up next.